Hello, and welcome to Dogs, Fiction, and Brown, a podcast for fans of Tarantino, brought to you by fans of Tarantino, where the guest picks the property. In this episode, our hosts welcome Sean O'Brien, a 20-year veteran concert promoter and festival booker turned micro-cinema owner in Ybor City, Florida. Sean is a lover of film, music, pop culture, and owns enough books, Blu-rays, DVDs, and comic books to open his own store. Now, if any of you sons of bitches have anything else to say, now's the fucking time. Now, here's our hosts, C.E. Garcia and Gabe Jacobo. Um, I'd like to welcome our guest for the podcast today, Mr. Sean O'Brien. Welcome, Sean. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me, man. Really excited. I'd like to say you're like a normal run-of-the-mill dude, but you are not. Um, <laughs> I try to be. I try to be. But we met, like we were saying earlier, years ago when you were uh, promoting music festivals and such. Yeah. But now I think you are doing one of the coolest things ever, and I am extremely jealous of what you got going on right now so if you could tell uh tell the listeners what you're into right now yeah uh right now i'm co-owner of a place called screen door micro cinema we're in ybor city in florida it's like the entertainment district in florida um we're a small 38 seat theater uh we show pretty much everything it runs the gamut everything from uh, old, older films, documentaries, um, short student films. We do, um, we have a good relationship with A24 and Neon. So we've even been doing mm. some first run films from them. Cool. Um, That's cool. And yeah, just doing a little bit of everything. And then because I'm a promoter and I don't know how to like not make things like big and I can't just do like, Oh, here's a movie. <laughs> like we do a lot of other stuff. Like we're going to be starting this black lodge brunch where we kind of like, delve into like twin peaks and i have this local baker making like cherry hand pies and we're gonna do like coffee and donuts and stuff like that and we've had like some djs come in and do like there's this you've been there it's called old dirty sundays it's a um been going on every sunday for like 14 years at this venue crowbar and they do a really cool like hip-hop thing so i've done like old dirty sundays at the movies and we've done juice and we're doing uh beat street in uh august for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop and um the dj there casper will like spin and and stuff after the movie and like so we do a little bit of everything but it's a lot of fun it is so tell us more about the event where they play the film and then you're gonna have a live musical act like do their own score yeah i I did that for well yeah okay so yeah before i did screen door i used to do this thing called real deal cinema where i'd play Mm. a movie and then i'd have bands play the soundtrack to the movie after but um that'd be sweet yeah it's been it was really fun we've done a lot we did pulp fiction actually speaking of tarantino that was one of the ones we did uh, and one of the bands all dressed. It was a surf rock band called the Fay, called Fayroy, and they all dressed like Mia Wallace after she got stabbed <laughs> with, uh, with the uh, needle. So they all had like bloody noses, and like it was it was pretty hilarious. But um, now I'm I've done a thing at this theater where um, this group called Anti Priest they did um, Haxon and. Um, they did Metropolis and they did a live score. Like we pick a few silent films and they'll do the live score in the studio, in the theater. So that is so cool. That sounds like yeah. fun. 
yeah, they're they're awesome. How 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 big? Sorry, real quick, Chris. How how big of a screen do you guys actually have in your theater? Um, it's slightly smaller than the standard one that you'd see at okay. an AMC, but it's way bigger than at anybody's house or backyard. Ah, <laughs> sweet. Okay, all right. I'm not and... good. I don't, I'm not the tech guy, so I don't know the exact dimensions. Yeah. But I'm more the like, yeah, promotion guy and all that. But uh, yeah, we have. But our sound system is like the top of the line we have the atmos sound system so oh, sweet. like okay. sound is like as good as it gets there and uh yeah we have ability for like 16 millimeter 35 millimeter digital we have like everything in house so are, are you able to uh give us a little bit of insight on how you came into that um the the cinema itself like how that all came about? I, like you said, I've always been like a huge fan of movies. Like it's a big thing in my life, which is why I did like the real deal cinema and stuff like that as I tried to incorporate it into my music promoting thing. And um, I stopped doing the promoting pretty much. I do a few things here or there because I can't fully stop. But um, And this opportunity came along where this guy bought a building in Ebor and he was like, you know, I'll give you an opportunity for one of the spaces in it to do something cool. And it was really either going to be a listening room, like, you know, records and drinks and stuff or, uh, um, uh, micro cinema. And I couldn't get the, uh, I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be able to get a liquor license for a while. So I was like, I don't need booze for movies. So, I mean, it's preferable for some people, but, um, so yeah. So I was like, let's go with the micro cinema. And, um, my two partners, uh, Warren, he is, a teacher at university of tampa he helped teaches their film program teaches a lot Uh of classes for that and has uh worked with the chicago film institute and all this um he used to live in chicago and my other partner analyza she um has a group called second screen cult cinema that does pop-ups in theaters and they just show cool old movies so the three of us kind of teamed up together and just started running with it. Uh, we started the last weekend in October uh, was our first weekend in operation. So I don't know, Chris, maybe it's time for the Inland Empire micro cinema between Dude, you and I like, for Southern California. When I was, talking to Sean, I was talking to Sean last week and I said, that's like my ultimate dream is to uh, retire and then open my own cinema. But yeah. my wife said, if you did that, you'd never be home. Yeah, like she knows I would be. I would, <laughs> you wouldn't be retired, dude. And I, yeah. I'd probably be at the cinema, and like, even if nobody was there, I'd be showing like twenty four. I mean, that's a good. That's a good name. The twenty four hour cinema. I'd be running yeah. movies twenty four seven, like nonstop. Yeah, we're actually trying our first midnight movie because we we basically we do like seven thirty Thursday, seven o'clock Friday, Saturday, and then mm-hmm. a three o'clock Sunday afternoon. But uh, we're trying our first midnight movie. Uh, we're doing a Racerhead, David Lynch's Eraserhead really? uh, this wow. month. So we'll see if we could get the people out late night, and then we'll go. You know, if it works out, there'll definitely be more of that. That's yeah. awesome, man. That That's is so cool. cool to hear. Yeah. That's fun stuff. Yeah, nice. yeah. It's been really fun. I get to you know. I, I've been pretty lucky. I get to like think up stuff and it actually comes to fruition. So yeah. I've been, you know, able to, you know, between the music, music and movies are my two things. All I got to do is open up a bookstore now and I'll have hit it all. So yeah, well, yeah. you virtually Sweet. have a, a video rental store right behind you that I can I see. So oh, yeah, I got a little over <laughs> 950 between Dude, DVDs man. and Blu-rays. Yeah. And like, I don't even count because I think if I had a number, I would freak out, and Ooh. so would my wife. Yeah, I'm a super dork, and I have like a um, a, a thing called CLZ that like has them all like listed, categorized so I know everything mm-hmm. I have. Yeah, 
I so tried, every time man. I buy one, I just scan it into the app, and it's like in there. What, so. You're gonna have to. You'll have to text me that because I have I use uh this is this is total nerd talking. I have yeah. the uh the the Blu-ray.com uh app and same thing, you get it, you can scan it, you can add yeah. it in, you can say this is how much I paid for it, this is when I watched it. Oh right on, yeah, yeah. Sadly, all of my movies are still sealed. I'm like because I haven't watched them. <laughs> I just buy them and I'll watch them, put them on the shelf. I, I imagined you, Chris, with a Mead notebook with lines written down <laughs> in it. So Almost serial like killer, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm the, the John Doe of uh, of collecting yeah. movies. <laughs> I know I get super jealous. I see some of the stuff you post on IG, like the cool box sets you get, and like, dude, I know yeah. I was going on Barnes and Noble yesterday because oh, I haven't even 50, been yet. Fifty percent off Criterion, and I'm like, don't do it. Don't go on there. Mm, You're gonna get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I know for real, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's all good though. Um, all right, so. Let's go ahead and get into uh, the podcast here. Um, so our first question for you, Sean, is uh, what is your Tarantino origin story? Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the first time you saw Tarantino right. or anything or anything like that. Um, just the first impactful um, exposure to uh, anything Quentin Tarantino. Well, it's weird for me. I realized when I was starting to think of it, I was like, well, it's this. And then I was like, well, actually this too. And I, and for me, it kind of like all collided like right around Pulp Fiction. But mm. I remember my uncle bringing Reservoir Dogs over like when it came out on VHS and wow. was like, you got to see this movie. It's freaking crazy, blah, blah, blah. I never heard of this guy, but it's got Harvey Keitel in it and all this. So I watched it and was like, obviously blown away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, around the same time, I don't know, you remember that movie Sleep With Me with, like, Eric Stoltz and the, he, yes. Tarantino's in it. Yeah, and with the Top Gun That whole Top Gun quote, right? Yeah. So, yeah. like, I didn't realize, you know, I didn't even think of it because Mr. Brown's in Reservoir Dogs so little. And at the right. time, I didn't even realize he was the writer and director. So I just remembered that quote because Sleep With Me was all right. But that whole, like, conversation was hilarious about the Top Gun thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, True Romance, love that movie didn't realize he wrote that either and then it right. all collided with like pulp fiction i start seeing you know interviews with this him and name. this and that i'm like this is all the same guy this guy i love this guy everything mm -hmm. i know of him is like great so yeah it kind of all collided together like right before pulp fiction came out and then like right when pulp fiction came out i was there you know well, so yeah. you're you're one of the lucky few because i mean mostly everybody i know um of course pulp fiction just blew up the world right Right, and then yeah. everybody starts to backtrack. They're like, "I know this name because it's such a standout name." And it's like, "Natural Born Killers," "True Romance," um, "Sleep yeah. with Me," "Reservoir Dogs." Everybody starts to work backwards, but we just like his movies. He does it in reverse. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's all out of sync. Now, as I mentioned earlier, um, you were able to choose any Tarantino property, and that could be film, book, television, something he directed, something he wrote, even something he starred in, like "Sleep with Me." or even produced. So with all that being said, um, what title did you bring to us today? I picked True Romance, which I feel mm. kind of bad because I know neither of your first two movies are actually movies he directed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, love it though. I right. just love True Romance too much, man. I had to pick that one. From the director of Top Gun and Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. Hello, Hello, baby! baby. Clarence? I'm a married man, buddy. <laughs> 
a con man. Ask him if he got the letter. Did you get the letter? What letter? He wants to talk to you. No con, tell him we gotta go. A call girl. Do you call for a day? Huh? Ah! I'm out of oh. She a four alarm fire or what? She seems very nice. What are you doing in LA anyway, huh? And a suitcase full of trouble. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. Now, all that stands between them and their wildest dreams. Find out who this winging a prayer artist is and take him off at the neck. Are 60 cops. 40 agents. He's a wild man, this kid Clarence. I like him. 30 mobsters. I haven't killed anybody since 1984. And a few thousand bullets. We're all gonna die here. These are cops. Put it down! Put it down! Put it down! Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken. Slow it down, man. In a Tony Scott film. I think what you did. Not since Barney and Clyde have two people been so good at being bad. True romance. Uh, so, did you watch this movie in the theaters? I did not. Ah. I actually saw that again on VHS. I didn't. Oh. Uh, you, I Gabe? did not see it in the theater. No, no. And I think I just kind of went past it like the first time that really? i really watched it yeah i didn't pay too much attention to it overall um i at, for a while i wasn't really a christian slater fan mm. so and i don't know what it was but no, I just, no, I no just, gleaming the cube yeah, yeah. No, uh, <laughs> no young guns too <laughs> i mean i did volume. like young guns too. yeah pump up the volume yeah pump up the volume <laughs> yes but I, I don't know he just wasn't uh a star a movie star to me at the yeah. time so i took this one as like a low budget you know, kind of B movie, and then yeah. you go back and you watch it later as I get a little bit older, and you appreciate it a lot more. I mean, I was a big Tony Scott action movie guy, so yeah. it's like you know, Last Boy Scout, and Last then this Boy is his Scout. this is his movie. Like yeah, like preceding that, I was like, I gotta watch uh, this Tony Scott movie, and I remember, I remember watching it in theaters because I did go see it in theaters. Um, That's awesome. And I was like, there's something different about this movie, you know, and it wasn't until you know three years later you got pulp fiction you got reservoir dogs you got killing zoe you got desperado i was like wait a minute this guy wrote this movie that's why it's so different yeah yeah and uh, for me i was like one of those like every friday i was at the video store and it's like what's the new stuff that came out and true romance was a new thing and i got it because you know i christian slater all those people were in it and uh yeah so but I, I I get the Christian Slayer thing. I liked him a little, but he always seemed like when he was young, he was trying to be young Jack Nicholson all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like with the way yeah, yeah. he acted and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, he never really did it for me. He always just seemed like he didn't know who he was kind of, you know, as an actor. Yeah. And he, I, I've always felt like he came off a little like pompous in his acting style. So it, it, that was just my view on it. But uh, yeah, it, it just felt off with him at first. And, 
Yeah, he's grown a lot since uh, since then. Um, I do feel bad for my mother because this is another movie that I dragged her to theaters to see, and they always have like uh, these raunchy sex scenes. Like, there's like some raunchy uh. sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. The, in the last podcast, we did uh, from dust from dusk till dawn, and of course, fucking strip tease at the very end, Salma yeah, Hayek, Salma Hayek, and yeah, all the strippers, and you got a. Uh, Cheech Marin talking about different types of pussy, and I'm like, yeah, boozy, boozy, "Fuck, boozy, boozy. man!" Yeah. Dude, my mom took me to my mom took me to see that one as well. I'm like, "Oh man, I really put my mom through the ringer with these ones." That yeah. was like the worst when you were young. Like if you're sitting at your house and like you're watching a movie with your parents, and a sex scene comes on, you're like, "I don't want to be in the same room as my mom with this." Yeah, yeah for you, real. you cringe. Not just not yeah. your parents. You cringe. Right? Yeah, they're like mm-hmm. whatever, and you're like, "I got to yeah. get out of here." So a little bit of some some, some facts about True Romance. Um, it was originally titled Open Road, and uh, it was a mixture of both True Romance and Natural Born Killers. So uh, Natural Born Killers is actually the screenplay that Clarence is writing in the True Romance uh, screenplay. So it's a movie within a movie, which oh. I think if we, uh, if we think about the way he's done his films, especially um, in Glorious Bastards, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's a very Tarantino thing to do, a movie Definitely. within a movie. Um, he wrote it with his buddy, um, Roger Avery, which I didn't know. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I heard it was actually originally Avery wrote the first 50 pages, and he was like, I don't yeah. know what to do with this. And then Tarantino, like in a couple of days, wrote like 500. Like He was like, mm. just took it over, is what I heard. Yeah, and like he, they sold the, the screenplay to Tony Scott for like 50000 and. That's what goes on to fund Reservoir Dogs. And then, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Clarence originally dies in the screenplay and in the alternate ending. And yeah. uh, they didn't want that, so they had to change it. Um, yeah, they said that Tony Scott fell in love with the two characters and said yeah. he wanted them to have a fairy tale ending. Yeah. And that Tarantino said he was dead set against it. Um, and then he saw it and he was like, for the way he did the movie, this was the right move. But he's like, yeah. if I did it to this day, he's dead. <laughs> right. <It's more laughs> because that's a... why I guess, yeah, like, I, I guess he offered Tony Scott, I read, he offered them him both. Like, he was like, Reservoir mm. Dogs or True Romance, you yeah. pick. And Tony Scott said he like notoriously hated writing script, reading scripts. And mm-hmm. he read them both on an airplane because he was so engrossed. He nailed them both. And he called up Tarantino and was like, I want to do both of them. Mm, Tarantino wow. was like, you can't because whichever one you don't do, I'm doing for my first movie. And Dude. that's how, yeah, that happened. And that's so wild. Like how many filmmakers can you say would have the balls to say that? Yeah, you know? right. Like, yeah. This is mine. Yeah. yeah. Most or, filmmakers. or even even that early on. Yeah, yeah as, a, as a screenwriter, in he's a screenwriter yeah. at the time. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Um, and then of course the movie's a box office flop. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you brought up um, you brought up uh, Last Boy Scout, and that's supposedly where Tarantino met him because a friend of his was a PA on Last yeah. Boy Scout, and he introduced him to Tony Scott, and that's how he got his in. That movie's so good. I love that movie. Uh, yeah, I like uh, that movie. Billy too. Blanks. Dude, yes, yeah. at the top, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you could, in your own words, um, Sean, could you tell us what this movie's about? Um, guy meets girl, 
Finds out girl's a prostitute, doesn't care because she's awesome. So they go together. He's going to save her from her life. Ends up, uh, do I give away? I guess everybody had to see it by now if they're going to watch this. He goes oh, yeah. to get her stuff, uh, ends up murdering her pimp and grabbing the wrong bag, which is full of cocaine. And they end up kind of on the run to L.A. to try to get rid of the cocaine. And then tons of crazy shit happens after. Very Tarantino. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I also heard it was supposed to be um, like Tarantino, but Scott changed it around. It was supposed to be nonlinear. Yeah. Um, like yeah, most the screenplay the movies, is. But Scott, I, so have you read the screenplay? I, I haven't have. read the original. No, I was when uh, after Pulp Fiction came out, um, just like Tarantino, I worked my way backwards. Pulp yeah. Fiction came out. Uh, me and my buddy, who was our first guest on the podcast, um, we dove right into Reservoir Dogs, and then it's like, Barnes and Nobles. There's the screenplay for Pulp Fiction. Went through it. There's a screenplay for Reservoir Dogs. And True Romance was actually in one book together. Oh, okay. And dove into that one. And uh, True Romance. Uh, so, our next question it's Does uh, True Romance follow the uh, answers first, questions later Tarantino structure? No, it does not. But the screenplay did. Right. Um, so, it was actually out of order. Um, the screenplay opens with the uh, I'd fuck Elvis scene. Um, it moves into um, Samuel L. Jackson's death scene. And then it goes into Clarence and Alabama arriving at his dad's trailer. And then from there, um, it moves all the way the same way it does until they get to L.A. And then Dick Ritchie's like, how did you guys get this suitcase? And then we flash back. Oh, wow. Okay. So it is kind yeah. of out of order. I heard originally he said he wanted to get people to read it. So the first three pages were all about cunnilingus from the scene that Samuel L. Jackson has originally. Like his yeah. very first draft was like three pages. It's starting extended. off, he's like, I figured I wanted to grab people and it wouldn't be the typical thing. So they'd be interested and have to read it, which is like crazy. But it's like that and, uh, and Madonna's big dick from uh, Reservoir Dogs. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, you don't, you definitely, uh, hear uh, the the Quentin Tarantino voice in the Christian Slater monologue at mm-hmm. the beginning. And then you get those, like, kind of those talking to himself with non-responsive questions. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, you, you get that writing that you become comfortable with and uh, versus all the, the, the cutting back and forth. Right. More, yeah, because he cuts a lot, but it's so many monologues, too, with his thing, yeah. which is great, you know, like mm-hmm. really good chewing of the dialogue, you know. Yeah. Are we are we more comfortable with uh with it now, you think, after you know, twenty five years, uh th- almost thirty years of Tarantino in the uh in the cinema landscape, you think we're more comfortable with the constant uh chewing of dialogue, the back and forth, the heavy exposition through through um their conversations. Are we more comfortable with that, you think, now? I would say. I think we're I I I think now because of like, especially like his cuts and all that stuff is like nowadays that's everyone does it, you know, Yeah, Uh, yeah. a lot of that. And uh, nonlinear is like a big thing now for a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff. Like a lot of popular TV shows started doing that and everything. So I think in a lot of ways, yeah, we're, we're definitely like suited for that. Now we're used to it. I I think, I think if you look back on it and when Pulp Fiction came out, of course, you know, Reservoir Dogs was before that. And a lot of people didn't see that, and they go back to Reservoir Dogs. But when Pulp Fiction comes out, and it you know becomes like a 
blockbuster sensation basically um you know you see that and you're like the first time you're like caught off guard and you're like what the heck did i just watch you Mm -hmm. know type of thing and then so but but like you said now after all of these years you're used to it and you're expecting that from tarantino yeah you know so i i think it's i think it's there and everybody's become comfortable it's funny because um once upon a time in hollywood is almost too conventional now yeah you know like (laughs) his style of filmmaking um I think that's why now he's doing that uh, alternate history thing with uh, you know the killing of Hitler and then right, course, right, Manson uh, not yeah, killing. So, yeah, so I mean, I love it, but uh, it's yeah. just maybe he was like, "Fuck, everybody's ripping me off for the past thirty years. Let me do something <laughs> yeah, different." Yeah, something different. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember when Res- when uh, Pulp Fiction came out? There was like so many movies like Pulp Fiction for the next oh, yeah. like three or four years. Yep, dude. Two like days some in the that valley. Like, yeah, just tons of movies with weird, weird characters, just like off, you know. They're just quirky, but it's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking speaking of characters, Sean, is there any character that you identify with personally from this movie? Um, in in some ways, I mean, obviously from like how I, you know pitched myself at the beginning clarence just because of the you know the working sure. in the comic book store the, oh yeah like yeah. being obsessed with <laughs> pop culture like talking about music like crazy talking about movies like you know his pickup line to some girls talking about like a kung fu movie you know he yeah you know, he's so obsessed with it and uh that's definitely me i'm not as much of like i'm not as awkward around people as he is but uh i'm a little <laughs> more comfortable and uh i don't have the uh you know, the bloodlust, I guess he had, or maybe I do. I just haven't yeah. been put in that situation, but he, uh, but definitely from like an obsessive pop culture and like nerd kind of standpoint, I, I definitely identify with him. Yeah. What about, what about you, Chris? Was there anybody? That you... uh, for me, yeah, it's totally Clarence because a okay. mm-hmm. uh, movie came out in 93. I met my girlfriend at the time um, in 1993, who is now my wife. And this was like, our go-to movie like all the time and we were obsessed with being like clarence and alabama like <laughs> mm, so okay. like so i guess i could relate to the bloodlust <laughs> uh, aspect <laughs> that you said um and just because just because of that and it's like you know you know when you're young and in love you're like oh i just want to jump in the car drive off and get married and get on yeah. some crazy adventure and so that's why me and her were always like oh, true romance like that's our it really is that's that's how we are we're we're, we're true romance, like, in, in real life, you know? That's right, cool. Right. <laughs> I got a question for Gabe. Yeah, go for it. Uh, would you fuck Elvis? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, probably the younger if version, someone's pointing I guess. A gun to yeah. Your <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's young Elvis. It's not, uh, it's not old Elvis from right. the no 70s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will also it, say I definitely went through a Floyd phase, so I can't. Uh, dude, I do yeah. identify with Brad Pitt's character a bit. I there you go. Spent some time on the couch <laughs> with the honey bear. So. That's oh good. yeah, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> oh shit. What about the? So, was there anybody uh, casting wise? So this is called the casting sliding doors. But did you know who was supposed to be a part of the cast instead of who? A uh, little bit of research you know on this one but sean did you come up with anybody on that i did i did i'm sure i won't be surprising but i um i know that originally tarantino envisioned joan cusack as alabama and robert carradine as clarence because he said Mm. 
he he thought of himself as Clarence, and he thought Christian Slater yeah. was too like good looking and cool uh, uh, yeah. for the character, and he thought of someone. And actually, Clarence he thought of as being a little older at the time, I guess, when he first wrote it. Um, yeah. And I guess Tony Scott really wanted Drew Barrymore to be Alabama, yeah. mm-hmm. and there was kind of like a headbutting thing. But um, I guess at the end they said it, Barrymore wasn't available, and they tested yeah. Roseanne Arquette, and she killed it. Tony Scott wanted Barrymore so much that he had pictures of her dressed in Alabama's uh, clothing that he had them with him. And that's kind of weird because she's only 18 at the time. I was, I was going to say that mm. might not have even had mm. anything to do with the movie. But. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, you know, I, I just looked that up online and they're like, that's what Patricia Arquette said that that's what happened. But it's like, dude, yeah, 18. She's 18. And uh, Christian yeah. Slater was still. Um, I don't know, he's probably like 27 or something like that at the time. Right. Um, so she's a little young. I don't see Joan Cusack in that role, but right. probably no. because, you know, we've, we've seen her. I mean, and no offense to her, because she does what she does well, but she comes off way more goofy than that character oh, yeah. would. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but who knows, you know, I mean, Tarantino didn't direct this, but there's been a lot of right. people who you're like this guy's in it and then they do this amazing performance like you yeah, know travolta sure. obviously travolta, mm-hmm. stuff like that so who knows yeah, i mean that's true but um i also heard blue lou boyle had a way bigger role in the original screenplay and de niro was um mm-hmm. tabbed to be him but once he read and he was in but once they started cutting the character a lot and it was only yeah. a few scenes he dropped out but um wow. that would have been pretty wild if de niro was yeah in the movie, you know yeah that would have been the first yeah. uh, Tarantino connection with De Niro since uh, b- uh, predating the Jackie Brown thing. So. Right, right. That would have been cool. I, I, I came across Val Kilmer, who was potentially going to play Clarence. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And not not the men. They call him the mentor in the like in the casting sheet. He's the yeah. mentor, not Elvis. Yeah. I guess, right. but they said the Elvis uh, people were like not into it. Yeah, yeah. So they call him the mentor. That's funny. But yeah, there was a potential that Val Kilmer could have played that role. Yeah, they they wanted to open it with an Elvis song, uh, really bad, and the Elvis estate was like, "No dice, no." Yeah, <laughs> and there's that uh, there's that deleted scene in Pulp Fiction how she's like, "You're either a Beatles guy or you're an Elvis guy." Yeah, yes. yeah. So I'm I'm assuming uh, Tarantino's an Elvis guy then. Yeah, without a doubt. He did the wasn't he? He was in a Golden Girls episode as an yeah. Elvis impersonator, right? That's oh right. yeah, that's right. And he was that's like right. a young so, actor first, yeah. So out there to the potential uh, upcoming guests, if they want to do that episode of the Golden Girls on this <laughs> podcast, I guess hey, we, we can talk about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we got Tarantino verse uh, lineage. Um, I kind of played with calling this either Tarantino verse lineage or uh, or TCU, the Tarantino Cinematic Universe. Um, <laughs> That's good. So are there are like there that. any characters? Are there any characters in this film that are related to others from a different film? Uh, yeah, we got, uh, well, Alabama, because of the way he originally wrote it with Clarence dying, she's the Alabama that, uh, Keitel references, Mr. White references in Reservoir Dogs. Yep. In, in Tarantino's mind, that's her. Like, she ended up going off and becoming a criminal with him. Yeah. Um, and then Lee Donowitz is, uh, Donnie Donowitz's great uncle or whatever from, or, yeah. well, Donnie Donowitz is Lee Donowitz's great uncle from World right. War II or whatever. The Bear Jew. Yeah. The Bear from Jew. Inglorious, yeah, exactly. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, yeah. So they're yeah, the wait. only two I know. I don't know if there are any others. Yeah, that's, that, that's all I came across as well. Yeah, other than, uh, 
you kind of get that one confused with um, Sizemore's character in this one and Sizemore's character in Natural Born Killers. Right, right. Um, yeah. I think then, it's Jack Scagnetti, right? Yeah, and then there's Seymour Scagnetti is the parole officer for... In um, Reservoir. For, yeah, in Reservoir. Yeah. For Madsen. And, you know, we don't have a uh, did-you-know category on this podcast, but um, I do think it's important to note that... Um, Tony Scott modeled Lee Donowitz after Joel Silver because of their working relationship with the last Boy Scout. Hmm. And uh, I listened to a couple other podcasts and they always talk about how like coked out um, Joel Silver was <laughs> like in the 80s and 90s, and which is exactly how uh, Lee Donowitz is in True oh, yeah. Romance. He's like, I'm yeah, fucking, fucking killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Lee, you are no idiot. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not interested, Clarence. It's just that being a distributor is not what I'm all about. I'm a movie producer, you know? I am on this earth to make good movies. Nothing more and nothing less. Well, maybe less sometimes. But... Hey! Choose a fucking lane! No, not you. Just some idiot. Don't give me the finger! I'll fucking have you killed! So one of the other things is uh, Buddy Holly, and these are some surprise cameos. Is there anybody, Sean, that surprised you as a cameo in this thing? When you look at it now, it's like chock full of it. When I was younger, you know, I didn't know Samuel L. Jackson as much. Yeah. I mean, I'd recognize mm-hmm. him, but now him being like, there's so many just like one scene, like like you said, Val Kilmer as uh, the, you know, the ghost of Elvis or Elvis in his brain or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm a dork, so there's just so many, like, little character actors in it that I see, like, Michael sure. Beach, like, people that most people don't yeah. even know their names yeah. and stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, even he's in this, and he's in this, yeah. so this me, it's, is, uh, like, just full of it. It's Victor Argo, who's uh, one of the, Victor uh, Argo. one of the hitmen, it was like, like that's a big deal to me, because, uh, just because of everything he's done, you know, yeah, like, like all Abel Ferreira stuff. Yeah, like most people Morgan are like, too, is the like yeah. young gangster in that crew also. He's the guy always fixing his hair. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. Out mm-hmm. with the shotgun at the end. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> oh, they call guy. him. Uh, what do they call him? Mad Dog or something? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you have Con- Conchita Farrell as well. She's the housekeeper from like Two and a Half Men. Right, that right. Brings Shit. all the one-liners. Like, I, I mean, she's a casting agent or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, what, what's yeah. the casting agent's name? Oh, I can't remember. Somebody, something. Uh, it's something important though. I can't remember the name. It's definitely film. <laughs> oh, Ravencroft. I was thinking of uh, mm. that. I have too much uh, Indiana Jones on the brain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I did uh, read that uh, Jack Black was actually in the movie. He was. Uh, he's the usher. He was an usher that seats Clarence at the beginning of the movie, but oh, he got okay. cut out. Oh, yeah, he got deleted. They said it was a very young Jack Black was in the movie. That's yeah, why Michael Rappaport was so young in this movie, man. Dude. Yeah. It's crazy. And I don't know why. I just see that's how I see Michael Rappaport, like even to yeah. this day. Oh yeah. And like even when he's in Copland, like I just saw Dick Ritchie. Like that's just all yeah. I see. Like it like tainted. <laughs> he, even in a what what's the uh, John Singleton movie he's in? Um he's the skinhead. Oh, yeah, higher yeah, learning. Yeah. Uh, right, higher um, learning, yeah. Higher learning, yeah. Remy. Yeah. So yeah, so mm-hmm. no matter what he does, I just see uh I just see Dick Ritchie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, like that's all I see. Yeah, he's, he's up on so the bell lanky. tower when he shaves his head and that higher learning. Oh, yeah. man, he looks like so goofy when he's like running in the oh, yeah. boots. Dude, but, for yeah. real. <laughs> Sean, what do you what do you think about this movie? Uh, does it require a sequel, a prequel, a remake, or do you want to just kind of leave it the way it is, untouched and 
called a small classic. So I was thinking about, I mean, it doesn't need to be messed with, but I would always mm-hmm. love to have seen like, after all that went down, Floyd and Dick Ritchie, like a thing about them being roommates. Mm, like, yeah. And, but then, you know, what's crazy is I looked it up and Judd Apatow said Pineapple Express was essentially what if Floyd was the star of a movie? And that's oh, how okay. he, came up. he said that's how he came up with Pineapple Express was like, yeah. what if Floyd was like the star of his own movie and what would happen? And that's how sure, he got there. Sure. I'd love but, to just see that. Now I'm going to rewatch that movie and, uh, yeah. and think of it that way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> What about you, Chris? Did you have any thoughts on that one? I'd just love to see. Um, I'd like to see it recut as a uh, in the Tarantino, uh, you know, uh, um, answers like first questions later. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah original. Like yeah, I kind of be curious if it, if it would work. Um, you know, because when I was a kid, <laughs> in high school, I'm reading the screenplay. I'm like, in my mind, it was a better movie in the screenplay. But that's because like tarantino could do no wrong when i was like right. 16 years old like he was like the god it's like i don't even care there's no no filmmakers are coming after this guy you know that's it but yeah you know who knows if it would work now this is the award section um so we use a lot of tarantino isms here on the on the podcast um so for the first award who wins the diddle-eyed joe to the damned if i know award and that's uh that's a Tarantinoism from uh that translates into the best one liner. So who who wins the best <laughs> one liner award, uh, Sean? So for me, it's hard because there's so many good ones in this, but I have to go with there's one line that me and my buddies would say all the time from this movie to each other. And it's when Brad Pitt was on the couch, he's like, Don't condescend me, man. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> and like every time one of our friends like talked shit to the other one, that was like the response for like years. And, yeah. Uh, so I just love that. And they say Brad Pitt came up with that himself. Like almost all That's his stuff great. was, yeah. <laughs> ad-libbed yeah so yeah what about I, you uh gabe what I, you got i've got the tom sizemore huh. you're an actor act motherfucker yeah. that is pretty good <laughs> yeah that's a good delivery <laughs> i could have sworn it was gonna be uh um gary oldman as drexel when he says uh he must have thought it was white boy day <laughs> it ain't white boy day is it <laughs> that's a close second that's so great <laughs> I, I do. I know we're only supposed to pick one, but I did come up with another Brad Pitt one-liner because I'm a Brad Pitt fan. Yeah, we know. Sean, I don't yeah. know if you've listened to 90 Minutes and have, feels I like have. I'm talking about Brad Pitt on every fucking episode. But uh, hey, get some beer and some cleaning products. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love that line. It's like flashback yeah, to like uh, yes. slow reactions, man. When he's like, "You guys want yes. to smoke?" and they all cock their guns and stuff. And he's like, oh, "Yeah." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. when people when they do like these minute like uh little roles like that like i always wonder like what was the director's direction to that guy he's like just be yourself or just act like you're high yeah. or you know or like yeah. this is your motivation like what the fuck is he telling him like just to pull that off you know what i mean yeah for scenes like that i also wonder if they get high or if the, how much it's yeah. acting and how much natural like you know what's he ripping out of that honey bear is it actually you know smoke or not something yeah for real yeah (laughs) so this is going to lead into our next one um does anyone receive the naturalistic naturalistic as hell award um and reservoir dogs hold away tells freddie to be natural when he's telling the commode story is there anyone in this film that comes off as natural 
man, I feel bad that we keep going to this well, but like Brad Pitt, like we were just Dude, saying, yeah. like I've oh, known okay. so mm-hmm. many of those. Like he's, yep. I mean, he I, is perfect. There's no overacting like goofiness in it. It's like so just zonked out on the couch. Like all of us know that guy from either like college or buddy's house or, you know. Yep. I said the same thing. I was like, it's Did you? fucking okay. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Did you get I actually somebody went else? with Dennis Hopper. Yeah. And the Sicilian scene. Yeah. How he just, when he just, when he finally says, it, I'm not going anywhere, and he just puts the cigarette up to his lips and he takes that drag. Yeah. And then he just goes off after that. And I love that part. That's, no, it, it just is. seemed natural for him to deliver that. Yeah, definitely. Is there a scene uh, that wins this His Girl Friday, like a rapid fire dialogue award for this, uh, for you, Sean, in this part? This is the guys going back and forth and. In a rapid fire sequence, I do like when they were going back and forth while you got the guys listening to the like the cops listening to everything. Yeah. And they keep mm-hmm. flashing back and forth. And like when he has them up against the wall in the elevator and he's like screaming at him, he's just like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. And then they're flashing yeah. the cops and like Sizemore's like, I fucking love this guy. And like all that yeah. shit. Like <laughs> that back and forth is really yep. great how they keep going. So, so for Chris, yeah, for Chris, this is your steaks. Chris loves steaks, yeah, yeah. and this is the his favorite part. So, what do you would you have, Chris? I had to go with uh, Walken and Hopper, man. Oh yeah, yeah. okay. Like that, that was my number two. That back and forth with that mm-hmm. Sicilian, uh, the origin of the Sicilian people. Um, yeah. yeah, like, dude. So back in the day when I saw this, like, it just it blew me away um, to see how these two guys could go back and forth for it with so much dialogue yeah and like they just deliver it with like so much ease and you know they're transferring this uneasiness and nauseating tension like to the audience like i remember watching be like what's gonna happen and how bad is it gonna be because they're gonna kill somebody you know and this predates pulp fiction and then you know then once of course pulp fiction comes out and there's like pages and pages of dialogue with like different people but uh right yeah walking those two again. guys like yeah walking weird. again um yeah that scene just so that took the cake for me like that one just seeing those two guys go back and forth like that yeah, yeah. gandolfini said he got caught up watching it he was like so excited to be mm-hmm. in the trailer because he's sitting behind hopper the whole time and he yeah. was like man i just like watched the whole thing i was just loving being in this little trailer with these two guys mm-hmm. doing their thing what, what do you think about, and I know that he enjoyed playing this character, uh, Gary Oldman's character, as an age poorly, where you have that white guy playing the black guy with the dreadlocks and, you know, all of those types of things. I don't know. I, I was, I was, you know, kind of caught off guard with it, I get, you know, when I went back and rewatched the movie. I mean, I still again. know guys like that. Yeah, um, that's what I was gonna say. Those <laughs> like you know, in the music biz, like <laughs> oh yeah, there's a yeah, lot okay. of those guys out there. You know, especially with the, the dreads and shit. Like you know, maybe I'm just getting old. The, the trustafarians, <laughs> but you know, yeah, yeah, right. But yeah, it's definitely again, it's like what he's saying isn't pleasant, but that's as real as it gets. I mean, those dudes yeah. are out there. I just always used to love that it was like a British guy acting like an American guy who thinks he's a black guy. Like yeah, you know, like, that's the best part like, though. That, yeah. That's what makes it great they said his yeah. mother so was on set for the whole thing and oh like when shit would go down they'd look over and be like how was that mom and she go, oh very good very good gary <laughs> and like, she was like 70 something years old and she like yeah oh shit dude even uh, now when crazy. i say uh 
when I say the word fuck around my mom, I'm like, I stop and I look over. I'm like, oh, was that okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next, uh, next award, um, who wins the Hans Landa terrible person, but great at their job award. Um, Hans Landa is the Jew hunter. He was great at his job, but an all around terrible person um, who got what he deserved at the end. Is there anyone in this film that deserves the same? I don't know if anybody was good at their job. I thought about yeah. this and I was like, you know, that like Drexel gets robbed. He robs the other guys. So none of that, you know, yeah. Clarence fucks up and leaves his yep. license behind and like the cops get fucking killed. You know, yeah. The cops get yeah. killed. Like no, <laughs> no one actually does a good job. I mean, even, you know, Gandolfini, he fucking fucks yeah. up and he gets killed. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think anyone did, did was you, good at their job. <laughs> did you get anybody, Gabe? Uh, I the closest that I got was Virgil James Gandolfini until he gets as, killed. Yeah, until yeah. he till he dies. Right. I mean, but he deserved it for. Oh yeah. You yeah. know the way he kind of you know the way he beat her up and then kind of tortured her. Yeah. Through the process. He yeah, that's the thing. It's like yeah. if he did a quick bang and she's dead, yeah. but he decided to draw it out and make it this oh, thing, yeah. and yeah, he mm-hmm. paid for it. Yeah. He even unbuttoned his shirt and said, "Give it to me." Yeah, right. I yeah. have it. Just for it. <laughs> yeah, that thing where she's like, "You look fucking ridiculous," or whatever, yeah. or something like that. And he looks in the mirror and he's like, "Got his hair all back." And... He's like, "I do." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the the next award is the the Butch Coolidge Award. It's the almost got away, and so Butch is the almost got away. Uh, it, it comes from Pulp Fiction, and he had to go back and get his father's gold watch that his girlfriend left behind. Uh, and when that happens, you know, usually something bad is going to happen following that. So, uh, Sean, what was your uh, Butch Coolidge Award winner? Well, I guess, I mean, I wanted to say Clarence, but he does mm-hmm. get away. But yeah. Um, yeah. so, I mean, I guess it would be Virgil because, I mean, like we said, if he had just grabbed that case, put two, put one between her eyes, and walked out the door, it's like movie's, movie's over. over. But instead, <laughs> he drew it out, and yeah, he did not get away. Did you get anybody, Gabe? Yeah, I had Nikki Dimes actually, which is Chris Penn. Oh yeah, there, at the shootout, That's, and then at yeah. the end, and he looks like it's about yeah. to be over, and all of a sudden, boom, he catches one. You right know, right, in the, in the right side. in the, in the yeah. side. Dude. Yep, I didn't. Side. I didn't re- remember, but I read something that said in some original releases, like on video, they had him get shot by a gangster because they didn't want Alabama to be the to person be who killed him. And then when mm. it got re-released on DVD and a bunch of stuff, then it's now the original way it was. But I guess like for a while, they yeah they edited it where it wasn't her that killed him at the end. What the fuck happened to you, man? Oh, yes, used to be beautiful. All right, so next award, it's uh, who gets the Ordell Roby Your Ass Used to Be Beautiful Award. So uh, in Jackie Brown, Louis Garo used to be an expert criminal, and he was Ordell Roby's best friend. Um, but again, like I said, in Jackie Brown, he's a washed-up, unreliable ex-con. Is anyone in this film not as good as they used to be? Um, This one, again, I'll give to Virgil because he like literally says it when he's like, I can't believe I didn't look under the bed. I got to be getting old. How did I not look under the bed? Uh, like, I missed that part. you know, like it's one of those things he could have been in and out before she even got there, but mm-hmm. he was like sitting there waiting to find out where it is. And that whole time it's sitting under the bed next to him. And, yeah. Uh, I said the same thing, yeah. man. Like, and then he just, he, she gets the best of him. 
Yeah. You know, like he's like uh he's like a sadistic lunatic, you know, but uh, as soon as she starts pushing his buttons, you know, he just like he turns off all the safety features and then uh yeah. lets his guard down. I love how you put that. Up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's yeah. like and he, cause, cause again, she was so tiny. You know, he didn't think uh he didn't yeah, think he was she was uh, formidable. Yeah. And she and she did yeah. the whole, you know, like the innocent like and it's kind of like from her being a prostitute or whatever but the whole like sweet innocent girl who's like just silly and you know you don't think of her as like the person who's gonna stab him with a corkscrew and then pump (laughs) a bunch of bullets in him and then start beating him (laughs) with the shotgun like you know she flips her switch also and yep yeah but yeah he definitely you know and also the whole like you know when you talk to certain people and they get caught up in reminiscing and he does that whole like sitting there going through the whole like my first kill and the second one and blah 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 he starts monologuing kind of instead of taking care of business you know that's like yeah that's the kiss of death in every movie like don't don't fucking monologue (laughs) at the end like just walk away yeah yeah so uh you're programming music for uh k billy's super sound of the 70s weekend uh, can you pick out a track from the film that you want to add to the rotation? This is Gabe's favorite category. Uh, yeah, man. I so there's a f- there was a few things I dug a lot, but this is like a sentimental thing for me. But my dad, okay. like I, when I was younger, I was just all into like older music. I didn't dig a lot of like newer music. When I, I would say until like the age of like ten or eleven, it was like all oldies stuff, pretty much. Mm. And uh, yeah. the like I was obsessed with the whole Buddy Holly, Big Bopper, all that thing. Yeah. So the the scene when they're in the phone booth and like they, mm-hmm. they hello baby, and then yeah, and then you know, then it turns into the whole sex scene in the phone booth with the music, you yeah. know, getting louder and stuff. I really I dug that, and you know that that song has a soft spot in my heart from you know my okay. pops turning me onto it. But the whole yeah, soundtrack cool. in general was a lot cooler than I remembered it from when when mm-hmm. I just rewatched it recently. And yeah, the Hans Zimmer stuff is really cool. Like it's, I oh, guess, yeah. based on Badlands. Um, yeah, the old Terrence the, the Malick in- movie. Like the ending yeah. song, the uh, the Hans Zimmer track at the end sounds exactly like the end of The Rock. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you go back and, and compare it, I'm like, dang, that sounds like it's almost the same song. Did you pick a track though, Gabe? Uh, just Outshined by Soundgarden. That's great. Uh-huh. I, I heard they spent most of the uh, budget on that. The budget on that one, yeah. yeah. Really? On just that yeah. one song? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they brought it in and they listened to it and they couldn't let it go. And it cost them more than uh, yeah, than, yeah. Than, than they really had. So They said they wow. just played it for filler during the scene. Yeah. And then it worked so well. They were like, oh, we've got to do it for the scene. Yeah. And uh, wow. yeah. That kind of leads into the next category then, the Tarantino double feature. Which movie would you place alongside with this one as a double bill? Because you have a cinema, so right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tar- Tarantino movie. I think I would go Reservoir Dogs just for the you know. Oh, the really? First okay. Two, All right. You know his first two scripts, and they're the the old school of his movies. Even though he didn't direct them, sure. One. I said uh, Natural Born Killers because ah, of me course, too. Like they were, yeah, because they were the you know they were supposed to be the movie within the movie, and you know yeah. kind of. Yeah. 
They they sold them around the same time. I've never been a huge natural born killers fan for some reason. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I I like some of it, but I don't love the movie in general. Like, okay, is it the psychedelic? You know, the way he did it. It was like that JFK. I mean, I love the. the, You know, I like some of the stuff. Like, I love JFK, and like, I do dig a lot of his movies. But um, I don't know what it was, and maybe I need to watch it again. Like, I've seen it. I only saw it a handful of times. Like, you know. Mm for me a handful i saw like three or four times some people they're like right. that's they see every movie once and that's it but like yeah, yeah. no the way yeah. i obsessively watch movies like for me seeing a movie like only three times is like but i you know like i love the rodney dangerfield stuff like i thought that was really great <laughs> yeah. the like sitcom thing when they did that kind yeah. of stuff but which i don't is know totally something about it which that's totally not like tarantino that's like Oliver Stone, like well, yeah, so, he disowned it, right? Didn't he disown the? Yeah, because it's just it's like a, changed it so much. It's like a fever dream. I mean, it's it's because uh, around that time too, I was like, I was into JFK, and then right. Natural Born Killers. I'm like, fuck, it's the same thing. Just like it's a, uh, you know, it's that action, you know, um, road movie, right, right. You know, a lot of violence. Um, yeah, there's a director's cut, man. You should check out the director's cut. I will. Hmm. I definitely. Now that we have this conversation, I'm like, you know what? I gotta see it again. And give it another look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I got another uh, on-the-fly question for you guys. Yep. Um, do you guys think that uh, Bronson Pinchot uh, should have gotten an award for his uh, performance as Elliot? Ooh. I think he um, actually did a really good job with the character. Yeah, like when Clarence pulls the gun on him in the mm-hmm. fucking elevator, like oh, we yeah. talked about it. Like, yeah. he's he fucking killed it. Like, yeah, you know, even when he's like... He was, he's like, yeah. He's got I his just hands up. Just want someone to like, take me home. Just yeah, somebody take yeah. me home. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Officer Dimes, Officer Dimes, can I just leave? <laughs> you know, that would be another good call for the almost got away with it thing. Oh, yeah, that that's of, true. That yeah. kind of sparked the whole thing because he pissed off Donowitz so much he throws the coffee and then all of a sudden Dude. he gets plugged yeah. and like that kind of caused the whole mess. I mean, it was already pretty Shit. messy, but. Yeah. Officer Dimes. What? Officer Dimes. Officer Dimes. What? Um, this has nothing to do with me anymore, right? Okay. So I'm just gonna leave. And you guys just settle this by yourselves, all right? Just shut up and stay the fuck put, Elliot. How do you know his name? Why the fuck did he know your name? You little piece of shit! You can forget about acting for the next 20 years. Your fucking career is over. Take your fucking SAG card and burn it! You little cocksucker! I treated you like a son! You fucking stabbed me in the heart! Fuck you! Fuck you! Fuck you! Oh, one more thing. Sorry. Bronson Pinchot. I, I, I read that he was finishing the last season of Perfect Strangers when he got the script for this. And he read to the whole crew the cunnilingus Oh, the first three goodness. pages in the Balky voice to everybody. Yeah. Oh my god. They had the whole crew like cracking up and dying, and he was like, "I got to be in this movie somehow. I got to be in this movie." Dude, he was a good actor. Yeah, he's good. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, where does this rank in the overall Tarantino pantheon? Um, where does this rank amongst the yeah. other Quentin Tarantino properties, man? I mean, again, this is going to be your personal preference. And this you know? is this is as far as all the all the movies he's wrote and directed. So um, you know, me and say... Gabe, me and Gabe had discussed this. We're like, we know this is going to be a difficult question for anybody to ask right. to answer. Um, so you know, if you think like, hey, it's number ten, it's number fifteen, yeah, I really I like it. Say... I really don't. 
Well, he's written nine, and then he's, I mean, he's directed nine, and then he's written an additional, what, just two, right? Just True, Manson, and, yes. True Romance and Natural Born Killers are the only two right. that he's, like, fully written. Well, I guess Four Rooms. From had, Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. And From Dust Till Dawn. Um, it's definitely in my top five. Okay. And okay. I want to, I'm trying to think if I like it, like, might even be in my top three. Wow. Ooh, okay. I, I was really, number one I and really two. Dig it. Like, um, I, I see, yeah, I'm too old school, but I, I just Pulp Fiction Reservoir Dogs for me, like it's, it's a combination of like just how new and fresh they were at the time too. Right. Yeah. Like it holds a place in my heart. Like his newer movies are all great and I love them all. Like Hateful Eight. I, I love that movie cause I'm a big like Western fan and mm-hmm. you know, I, I, so and the same with Django Unchained, but as far as like not only being a great movie, but just like being something totally new and like original and fresh at the time, like though it's hard for me to like say I like something better than them. Those three right. are like yeah. really yeah. up there for me. Our last guest said the same thing. He was like, Yeah. Cause we did From Dust Till Dawn, and he's like, It's up there because it was fresh and then he said once it got to like kill bill he kind of checked out a little bit like he didn't really hold tarantino like up on the same pedestal anymore which i thought was interesting you know it's just yeah. uh, and that's why i like doing this this podcast because it's everybody's preference everybody's going to have something completely different reason to right. why they like anything yeah. so that's really cool and and i don't that's think good. he lost a step at it. he's been it's just like now i kind of I don't know what I'm going to get as in like, I don't know what the scenes are going to be like, but I know what the, like how the movie's going to be like, I know it's going to be nonlinear. I know, you know, there's going to be, it's going to be really bloody. Like that's not shocking anymore. Like it used to be like, you know, there's just a lot of stuff that I come in. Like now he has a background and I come in with expectations with the movie now where those first ones, there were like no expectations and it just blew my fucking mind, you know? So any, uh, you got any final thoughts, uh, Gabe? No, no, no. It's a great talking with you, Sean. Oh, thank you. It. Where do you guys rank? Like, do you guys, is it lower? Ooh. Like, you guys are more of, like, the newer <laughs> Tarantino movies, or? For me, like, number one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, yeah. That's, like, number one. And then I go probably, like, Jackie Brown. And then, dude, I love Death Proof, too. Like, those oh, are, like, yeah. my top three. So, like, uh, True Romance is probably, like, seven or eight on the list there yeah i'm probably in that same area yeah because it's a i'm my favorite is once upon a time in hollywood as well and then i go kill bill volume one Mm. after that okay and then uh then it kind of gets you know pulp fiction i love pulp fiction so those are probably my top three when it comes to uh to qt qt so it's the 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 once upon a time in hollywood the two la guys you know you're gonna (laughs) <laughs> you got the, the bias <laughs> you know what yeah, I, exactly. I i think it's the I, that's part of it maybe but it's also the buddy factor yeah that's in there i like yeah. to play on uh you know with the charles manson stuff in there right. i love that um, i love that i'm a huge brad pitt fan so seeing him and i know he he won best supporting actor but uh seeing him in that role that scene with Leonardo DiCaprio in the trailer when he's getting ready oh, man, and he's so trying good. to pull it all together. Yeah, oh yeah. my gosh. And that was ad libbed, you know, it's just yeah, so, so cool. So many good parts in that movie. All right. So, uh, so we reached the part of the podcast where we want to give you the opportunity to shamelessly plug 
um, the Screen Door yeah. uh, Micro Cinema right. in Ebor. Um, yeah, uh, we're on Instagram at screen Screen Door Ebor, and Ebor is Y B O R. And um, we're on Facebook. We're Screen Door and Ebor City Micro Cinema. We're yeah, we're all around. So yeah, if you look up Screen Door Micro Cinema, you'll find us. That's super awesome. I'm pretty okay. sure me and Gabe are gonna yeah. gonna jump on a plane. And, oh yeah, uh, man! And you head out when? to one of your. I was already give, thinking give about it. Give me some it. notice. I'll let you pick the movie. We'll do it. <laughs> you can rock the Cisco and Ebert thing. We'll just have you two Fuck. side by side in front of the screen. Hey. And then you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dope, dude. That sounds like fun. <laughs> As for us, you can look for us on uh, Instagram at Dogs Thick Brown Podcast. And we're also at 90 Minutes on Film. That's 90 M I N S on Film. Um, again, thank you, Sean, for doing this. Uh, fabulous talking yeah, to you thank you guys yeah I man appreciate it. appreciate it it's a lot of fun you got a lot of knowledge in that brain of yours and i can't <laughs> wait to get you to uh to come back for another episode hopefully soon yeah you guys um, say when really this was great i enjoyed it right on man uh thank you everybody for listening uh we'll see you next time mm-hmm.